Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now, welcome to another episode of After 9, everybody. We've got a special guest coming up and we will talk to him in just a few minutes. We are ready to go on Pancake Tuesday. Ah, uh, Pancake Tuesday, Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, Shrove Tuesday. There's like a million names for it. If it is Mardi Gras, Britney Spears won. <laughs> I don't know if you saw her Instagram yesterday. But no, I- no be- uh, beads, just boobs. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't know how it works. <laughs> You're just giving it away, Britney. You're just giving it away. That was uncomfortable to watch. And I wasn't sure, like, I like Britney Spears. Do I like this post? Because I feel like this isn't right. appropriate. I mean, she was fully nude walking around on the beach. Yeah, she she's enjoying her freedom. Is that the best way to put it? I I you know me. I, I'm a I'm a big fan of Britney. Do I? My thought process on social media and following people on social media is pretty simple. I mean, if you like what you see, uh, stay on it. Right? Don't mute them or don't block them. If you don't like it and you don't agree with them, maybe it's words and maybe it's photos. You just simply unfollow. Right. That said, I would be lying to you if I didn't say part of me is a little bit concerned about Britney. Somebody's got to pull that girl aside and say, hey, listen, we get it. This is how you made your money back in the day. You were you flaunted your sexuality and sang. Not great, but you sung. She's an entertainer. You know, I always say about Britney that my rebuttal to that would always be Britney's an entertainer. She doesn't need to have a flawless, perfect voice. She never really was known for her vocal ability. She is an entertainer. So maybe for her, this is just the best way that she properly wants to express herself. I I am curious what her fiance thinks about it. Obviously, he likes it. He's clearly filming it. He has no problem with it. That's great. I mean, to each their own. You, You don't like it. You don't have to... Look at it, I suppose. But of course, a part of me is a little, still a little bit nervous about Brit Brit there. You know, when you get an icon like Britney Spears running around the beach naked on Instagram, I would think most people would be pretty happy with that. But there's going through the comments. There's so many people that are saying things like, Britney, this isn't good. You've got to take these videos down and and just keep some stuff private. Just keep it in your own little vault. You don't need to share Mm -hmm. this with your fans. And I kind of agree with that sentiment. I kind of wish she wouldn't do it. It's not really why I follow her. Now, she's posted a few things before where I thought, oh, all right, hey now. But this one, I oh, she's going into a weird territory. Anyway, yeah. I hope she's okay. Uh, you mentioned a very interesting word, Kat. The word of the day is freedom. Free. Free. <laughs> <laughs> why do I feel like that's been the word of the year? Freedom is almost here in Ontario. As of today, no more Vax passports. As of today... No more capacity limits, no more restrictions. You can basically go and live your life, but you're going to live it with a mask on for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, the premier did a news conference and and he was asked about that. And he kind of hinted towards the return to school after March break might be when the masks come off. Yeah, I heard that little bit of a hint there, which surprised me. I, I suppose it. Half, half. It surprised me that they would mention it now because I do feel like we still have a few weeks to go until that time, but it's also a short amount of time. That's only a few weeks away. Are they sure they want to do that right now? Uh, Because I feel like you have to be sure to hint at something when there's an election looming, politically speaking. You have to be pretty sure, even if you're going to hint at something, that you're going to do it so that you don't 
you have to like kind of play the middle a little bit there. I'm good with it. I'm glad to see. I'm curious to see also how many people will actually lift those, you know, Vax passports and n- never use them again. And I know there were some places that never did use them that were supposed to use them. I get it. I've been there actually to those places where I'm like, do I need to show this? And they're like, oh, no, we don't do that here. I'm just like, OK, yeah. uh, all right. Uh But here's the thing, and I know we've said it before, but I've seen so much of it today because it is March 1st. If you don't like the fact that a place is not going to be using a Vax passport, or let's flip it, you know, if you you are seeing that there's places letting anyone in and not using it, if it makes you uncomfortable, just don't go. But allow the people who have these freedoms, there's the word, to continue enjoying these freedoms now that we have opened up a little bit more. Um, it's amazing that the fighting has already begun because the Vax passports are optional. Restaurants and gyms and places like that can still ask for them if they want to. And the fighting already has begun. I thought the fighting would end when the Vax passports were no. done. Because the fighting started over the Vax passports. Yeah, but yeah. now that they're done, I thought, all right, we can, st- we can heal the divide. We're going to get back to normal now. No, now they're fighting over which places are asking for them. And fuck them. I want them shut down. (laughs) And others are like, I'm only going to go to Vax places. And they're threatening businesses. And it's, uh, can we not do this? There are so many gyms and restaurants. Just go to one that works for you. And, And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm fully vaccinated, but I disagree with passports. So maybe me personally... Might decide if you're one of those places asking for the QR code, even though I have one. Right. I might not support that. Maybe I okay, won't. Okay, interesting. All right. But maybe, just maybe, I'll just go wherever I want to go. It, yeah. And, and you should too, everybody. And that's a choice. And that's everybody's choice to make. I, I don't, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. Um, can we all agree? Can we just change a couple of words? I feel like since the pandemic, I just want to change words around. Like I never want to even hear the word QR code, even though I know what it means. I understand that a QR code could lead you to www.funparties.com. I get it. But like even certain words now, does anybody else have this? Like almost, well, it's still happening, a PTSD of sorts to some of these words. Like I never want, like every time I hear a QR code, I'm just like, it takes me back to that first time where you had to download it. And it's not a fun time. No. We should just change the names of everything. Because as you said that, I went, oh, QR code. We do have a special guest that's going to join us uh, today on After 9. In fact, I believe he's ready to go now. And this is exciting because uh, we've never had him on the pod because he used to work for a competitor, but now he doesn't work there anymore. (laughs) We can be friends now. (laughs) So now from TDR's Guaranteed Money podcast, former talk radio host in Toronto, Ryan Doyle. Morning, Ryan. How are you? I'm okay until the whole QR code thing. Is that thing still going on? Are we still in the middle of this shit? Seriously? (laughs) I know. I don't want to hear about it again. Like I said, I'm over it. Uh, Ryan, let's start with this. Uh, We're going to get to your podcast in a few minutes, and I'm really glad you came on. I've been a fan of yours for a long time, and I'm a fan of Good Talk Radio, and you were one of the best at what you did, and I'm still surprised that you're not still doing it. Yeah, you know what? I kind of stepped away for a little bit to pursue some passions, to pursue something I'm really, you know, into and committed to and that I've been passionate about behind the scenes, which is the world of sports gambling. Uh, You know, my my former co-host, Jay, he's on to some other things in Montreal doing a morning show that he always wanted to do at a legendary radio station. So, you know, the time was right to pursue other passions. Uh, And I, I, I only say half kidding the whole QR code thing. I was kind of sick and tired of talking about COVID every single day for four hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I was kind of done I with that you. idea of, you know, it, 
from my basement, no less, guys. You know, like you, you guys have done the broadcast from home thing. Uh-huh. It's a bit of a slog. I've got a I've got a kid who was born during the pandemic, a beautiful little boy. I've got my daughter who was, you know, I was missing her school pickups every day. At some point, something needed to change, and I'm, I'm happy to be doing my own thing. But can I just say, I'm a huge fan of you guys as well. Oh. This podcast you do is phenomenal. I've been a major listener for quite some time of what you guys do. So uh, it's an honor, and it's a privilege to be on with you today. Oh, well, thank you, Ryan. We appreciate that. And I do want to circle back and talk about Jay, because him and I text back and forth every now and again, but I haven't actually talked to him since he went to Montreal. And speaking of Yeah, he's which, awful. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I feel the need to speak from a listener's standpoint, because once they find out you're on the podcast, you're g- we're going to have a bunch of new listeners. And by the way, welcome to everybody who's new that happens to be a, a fan of Ryan. We appreciate you listening. But uh, as a listener of yours and as uh, somebody who, uh, who, like Scott said, is a big fan, I can appreciate how the listeners feel and they miss you. And I see it. We see it in comment sections all the time. Whenever we leave one place and come to another, Scott and I can completely relate to that. We yep. see comments still about come back and do this. So this is really your chance. If you wish to, Ryan, I'm just going to go ahead and ask the questions. You can answer what you want to answer. But what happened? Why did you leave? Did you get fired? Did you have conversations with Jay directly after? Feel free to tell your story. Oh, you want the gossip I'm here, I'm sorry, but I know the listeners do, yeah, and you're allowed to answer or not answer. I mean, we've been through this exact cycle, so I know what people want to know, and it's none of their business, whatever's none of their business, but they may want to know, and we know the insides of radio. We get it, but there are a lot of people who don't understand it. Yeah, I'll, I'll tackle the Jay part first because, I mean, that's obviously the most straightforward and easy part. Uh, Jay and I have talked every single day. Uh, we have been in communication with one another and talking about changes and talking about doing something different since last summer. Uh, you know, it comes down to just doing what you want. And I think, you know, it's not to, to be disrespectful to the people who care. I love the fact that people still text, people still tweet, people still put those comments out there. I, you know, it's fantastic. It's heartwarming. Uh, I love each and every one of them. Even what I used to call the hate listeners They'll still reach out and text me and, and ask, you know, how you do and how are the kids and that kind of thing. And I try to write back to as many people as I can. But ultimately, it comes down to just, you know, making a life decision to pursue your passion, to do something different. Uh, as I say, I've got two young kids, you know, at some point, the, I, you know, let me be really honest with you guys. Okay. At Please. some point, I was walking upstairs. Yeah, I was walking upstairs at six o'clock when the show was done after four hours. And the show had changed from three hours to four hours. And that was an extra grind, as you two well know. And I was walking upstairs and I was fucking miserable. Mm -hmm. I was just not a good person. I was in a bad mood. I was in a foul mood. And maybe it was pandemic related and two years of talking about that from your basement. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But I didn't like the person I was. And I think that if you're honest with yourself and as difficult as it can be to kind of start something new and start a new chapter, you have to do what's right for you, your mood, your emotions, your mental health, and your family. And that's that's all it really is for me is just kind of a, a... a pivot. I hate that word, but let's use it. Uh, a pivot <laughs> yep. to something it's another different. Another one of those ones, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. It's a pandemic buzzword, right? Um, you know, do I do I miss talk radio? No. Do I miss my audience? Absolutely. And a lot of them have carried on with me through this journey, through a different passion, and I'm excited to be starting something new. So, oh, wow. being a talk radio host, though, and like I said, you're one of the best at what you do. I'm wondering about. The last six weeks, which you've seen the Olympics, you've seen a war break out in Europe. Uh, Doug Ford has completely on a dime pivoted to the new normal or we're going to have to learn to live with it. All of this is happening. And I would have thought that after the first 18 months or whatever that you invested into covering the pandemic, now we're right here at the end and so many other things are happening. Do you ever get that itch? Do you ever think, oh, God damn it, I'd love to be on the radio right now? 
Um, no, I mean, let, let's face facts. Um, first of all, I'm talking about stuff I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wake up in the morning. I'm happy. I set my own hours. Uh, I go on these really interesting earnings calls with fantastically interesting CEOs and hear all about the ins and outs of the sports wagering business. Uh, for the Olympics, I boycotted them. And I would have told my listeners that, but I think they know that about me. And with social media nowadays, you can never be, you've never been more connected. So my audience hasn't changed. People know where I am. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put my opinion out there. Um, when it comes to what's going on in Ukraine, uh, you know, I don't think NATO and and our part of the world are doing enough, to be quite frank with you. Uh, but, you know, I, there's a there's a whole lot of people out there that have that opinion. So you don't necessarily need mine. I've never been one of those arrogant, smug people that wakes up in the morning and thinks to themselves, well, people need to hear what the fuck I have to say today. It's just it's just not how I roll. Well, I be quite honest with you. I love I love what like, you said. Though. Who, who does that? Who does that? And we all. Hey, listen, I know. Guys, you names. know. We know. I know. Who the fuck does that? We know people. You know. Exactly. Look, we know people. I- in this business that do that all the time. And I hate those people. I don't want to be at office parties when we used to have those things with those people. I don't want to be in boardrooms with those people. We all know who they are. I'm just not one of those people. Right, <laughs> right. Well, and I think it's amazing that you, and, and not surprising at all that you have the listeners that have connected with you so much so that they followed you along. It is, it is incredible. But I think it's so important what you said. And I think it translates to many different industries, not even just the radio industry or broadcasting industry. But when you wake up and you don't have that sense of of happiness again, when you feel miserable, it's so important to ask yourselves those questions. And sometimes the answer is so hard to hear. And I'm sure it was for you, too, you know, a part of you. Uh, but it's great to see that you've moved along to something that you love. We're happy to see it. Yeah, and let, let me just put this last part on the table. And Kat, I appreciate the fact that you're digging for the, the you know, for me to spill the tea. It's good. It's and so far, good. you've someone, done a very um, good well, job someone at has to. So far. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. And, and, you know, here's what I would say. I, I started at that station when I was 18 years old. I'm 45. Wow. At some point, you wake up in the morning and think to yourself, it's almost been 25 years wow. at the same place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the old Willie Loman. It's the old gold watch. Is that really where I wanted to die behind a microphone or did I want to go try something new? Did I want to take on a new challenge? I think the answer is pretty straightforward to a lot of people. New experiences get the blood going, get the juices flowing, allows you to be more creative. And I think you two are, you know, two of the most creative people I know. So I think you get that. Oh, thank you, Ryan. That's so uh, sweet. One more thing before we talk about uh, your guaranteed money. Oh, podcast. good Lord, Scott. One more thing. <laughs> I uh, The well, toughest <laughs> question of all. <laughs> no, but I saw you kind of toying with it, flirting with it a little bit on your Twitter. And you should follow Ryan on Twitter. Just give him a little search Ryan Doyle and uh, people asked you about what's next and and you were at News Talk 1010 for a very long time and there's another talk radio station in Toronto AM 640 and I actually saw Ooh. you use those three numbers 640 in your tweet the other day and I'm wondering is there any should we be speculating at all or you want to shut that down that's up to, uh, isn't that your parent company? It's well, our company, it yeah. certainly is. We can have a call with John Global if you'd like. Yeah, what do you, what do you guys know? What are you guys hearing? Uh, uh, you know what? There's a call today at 11. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, you know, this is what I would say about that. They've got a great lineup of people. They've got people that I've worked with, people who I respect. They've got a guy named Greg Brady in the morning who I think is terrific. Uh, they've got Alex Pearson, who's a very good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the afternoon drive guy at that radio station. I mentioned the idea when I was when I was 18, when I started at, at the other place. Uh, John Oakley, he was the guy who brought me in as his intern, if you can believe it. So I've got a great deal of respect for the people that work there. Uh, and, you know, that's that's decisions for people in, in management and in, in C-suites and whatnot. Uh, if they want to shake things up a little bit, uh, I've got something great going on. And I want to continue to do what I've got going on with this podcast, the Guaranteed Money Podcast, for the fine folks at TDR, by the way, who, you know, cover the the disruptive markets in the world, right? Psychedelics, cannabis, NFTs, crypto, and sports wagering. This is where the future is, guys. This it's is so the progressive. shit that people are really oh talking God. about. Mm-hmm. It really is. And and that's the beautiful thing about it, right? Like you, you tell me I get to talk about all of the real shit under the surface that people are actually having conversations about, mm-hmm. that people actually want to try to get an understanding of. That, to me, gets me excited about things. Well, this is great timing to have you on because just the other day on our FM radio show, it came up. There's a lot of people, especially after that stunt that the prime minister pulled with the Emergencies Act and freezing bank accounts and so on and so forth, that are thinking to themselves, maybe I should be looking at other ways to spend my money or invest my money. And a lot of people are landing on crypto, for example. And that's just something that you would cover on your pod. Yeah, it is. I've got a great co-host. His name's Anthony Verrill. He is a millennial entrepreneur. The kid makes no bad decisions when it comes to investing, although we don't give investing advice. Uh, he owns NFTs. He owns crypto. He's uh, based down in in Miami, uh, living, the, living the good life, but he's got a lot of opinions about a lot of things. And you know, we examine some of the crossovers when it comes to crypto, when it comes to some of these sports wagering companies that are going to be in your face, by the way, next month in Ontario. And I know we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, there's a lot of crossover between NFTs and sports wagering and NF- and crypto mm-hmm. and sports wagering. So it's a beautiful sort of marriage of things that are going on out there. I'm not suggesting people go and put their money in crypto. The numbers are, you know, the market's a little shaky everywhere, no yeah. matter whether it's their standard market that you're all used to or the crypto market. But, you know, certainly there are other things out there that aren't the norm. And that's what I love about this, mm-hmm. right? It's like, you look at psychedelics, for example, fuck, we have been so at the mercy of big pharma. Mm-hmm. So many people I know that deal with depression and anxiety. When you know, you look at the, what we do at TDR at the Dales Report, we talk about things, studies that are going on right now to cure alcoholism that are having very positive effects using psychedelics, uh, things like anxiety and depression being treated by microdosing, uh, things that were taboo back in the day, like uh, mushrooms and whatnot. So there's a lot of great stuff bubbling under the surface. Crypto, just one of those those things, and sports wagering, of course, uh, that's that's sort of my beaten path. Where are we at with sports betting in Ontario, though? Because I'd heard it was legal that you could bet on single games and is that expanding are we making any progress in moving forward in this and catching up to even where they are in the states yes april 4th is going to be a massive day in the province of ontario you could have now they're not all they all haven't registered at this point but i understand three or four of them have already registered you could have 30 brand new companies in the sports wagering market that would all be legal sports and no more gray area, no more offshore, no more. Well, there would still be a black market. That's your guy down the street with the trench coat on. I I advise maybe not talk to him, (laughs) but you know, these will all be legal businesses and the industry itself, the estimate, and I think this is a very conservative one is going to be worth 600 to $700 million a year. Now keep in mind, we get some of that back in taxes. 20% of that money goes right back into the, the provincial government, into the coffers. So this is going to be a big cash cow. I think governments have been relying on this across our country. 
because they want to pull out of that COVID nosedive. So it's going to be pretty big and it's going to change the landscape for good. It's not going to be just, you know, wagering on ProLine, which has done a big revamp. It's going to be FanDuel. It's going to be DraftKings. Even the score, and I'm sure you guys have the score app on your phone. Yeah. That's going to flip the script. That's going to flip the script come April 4th. That will be a sports wagering app that'll be run by a company called Penn National. You may also know them from their barstool entity down in the United States. Here it will be branded as the score. There's the tie-in. So I've wondered, like, why are they posting so many odds lately when you can't actually bet? That's it, I guess. They're just getting people ready for April the 4th when you can place those bets. That's exactly it. And, you know, you've seen it. You've seen it work in different forms, right? So DraftKings and FanDuel initially started a fantasy, right? Because they knew they wanted to prime the pump for a market that was going to get into sports wagering. So when the legalization happened, and we saw this in the United States three years ago and have over the last three years, uh, you know, people were able to just flip a switch. And all of a sudden, your, your DraftKings or your, fan, or your FanDuel, that would be available for sports wagering. They're very smart with, with the way they do this. The score is expected to do well in Ontario. It has not done particularly well down in the United States of America. So a lot of people from a market point of view will be watching how they perform here in Ontario because, you know, we're different here, right? Like down in the United States, curling and junior hockey, they don't even make the register when it comes to things you can wager on. Ontario's got to be treated a little different, as does the rest of the country, if you're going to survive, especially if we're going to now see 30 companies come in to try to get people's money. Hmm. And you touch on, so you're touching on the NFTs and you're touching on crypto. I feel like you can't help but probably bring in, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the metaverse into all of this as well, because we know that that'll all be happening eventually too. Yeah, W3, the metaverse, all of that is going to be you know a, a big part of it. I mean, I, I know that there are, are gambling companies that will have casinos in the metaverse. I talked to a, a guy who's you know, just an absolute genius. He's actually going to be on our next edition of the pod. His name's Jack Settleman. Uh, he created Snapback Sports. This guy basically took over Snapchat for Gen Z sports fans. Uh, he's got well over a million subscribers, and he basically just puts up sports clips. That's how people consume their sports. Most of his audience has never even been to a, a sporting event. Uh, but he's also a part of uh, an NFT group that has, you know, taverns and bars you can go and visit in the metaverse. This shit is coming fast. My wife said to me the other day, she said, you know, how how quickly do you think this is going to be a part of our lives? I said within a year and a half, mainstream people will be using these words as part of their daily lexicon. Like that's how quick this is going to move. So I feel, you know, we're so ahead of it at TDR with guaranteed money with some of the other products that we put out there. I feel I feel ready for what's coming. We generally as a society are pretty afraid of change. And hearing you say that <laughs> j- alone, we are just sc- scares some people to death. Should we <laughs> should we be scared? And, and this is coming from someone who really does dabble at this point. I mean, I'm into a tiny bit of crypto. I don't know enough about it to, to even come close you. to being a guest on a podcast. No, really, I'm learning. I'm dabbling because I do realize this is the direction we're going. Do we? Uh, should we feel scared shitless? Because sometimes it scares the shit out of me and I kind of know a little tiny bit about it. I don't think we have a choice would be my answer. <laughs> I think you've got to do your it's best. It's going to happen. Okay. So <laughs> that's just not, being thrown that's into the not pool. ominous. We're just being thrown into the pool <laughs> yeah, exactly. and learn how to swim, bitch, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, maybe not in those words, but pretty close to it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's one of those things where knowledge is the key, right? So do your best to inform yourself, do your best to educate yourself. And I think it will be less daunting if you do, because I know a lot of people that kind of just push against it. They hear, you know, the metaverse, they hear NFTs and they think, oh, I don't want to learn that. When you get into it, it's 
it's pretty easy to learn once you get past a couple of the barriers, a couple of the entry points, you start to pick it up, you start to become immersed in it. And it's like anything else. Like, I feel like I'm explaining the internet to people, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it does right, what I right. can do what now? Yeah. You know, and email and that kind of communication. We move fast. We, you know, there were a lot of people who didn't know what the internet was, shied away from it. Now they're users every single day of their lives on their phone that's in their pocket. Explain that to them 20 years ago. They'd think you were crazy. So it's the same kind of deal. It's just going to move faster. I'm, you touched on something that is really interesting because you're right. Ontario is a fairly unique market in that our, our interests are much more diverse. So when gambling officially begins, I can place a bet on... A single sporting match. Let's say the uh, the Leafs yeah. are playing the Sabres tomorrow night, and I want to put ten bucks on the Leafs. I'll be able to do that. You'll be able to do that. And, and from what I'm hearing, and this is sort of the the underground talk, because you've seen it in the United States as well. You likely would be able to go to the Scotiabank Arena and find a kiosk where you could lay down that kind of money. I've heard rumblings that there may even be a particular sports bar that may be in and around Scotiabank Arena that might turn itself into a quasi. Really? Real? It's hoops. Real? It's hoops. I was For, talking uh, about hoops. Oh, what were you guys yeah, thinking? Yeah, okay. Right, right, uh-huh, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so no, but you could actually put that wager on. If you didn't want to download the app on your phone, you could put that wager on uh, at the arena. So this is about to change. You know, it's a drastic shift from what we were used to. It used to be you had to, you know, combine wagers. You had to combine plays in what we would call a parlay in order to to get any outcome through Sports Select or ProLine. Now it's one game. If you want to bet on that leash game before your ass hits the seat at the Scotiabank Arena, no problem. Same with the Raptors. All these sports franchises that used to be pushing against it have now embraced it because they see how much money there actually is in all of this. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what about some of the leagues that aren't necessarily pro leagues like the OHL? And leagues like that, where it's more junior sports. I mean, will they be involved in this? And does the league even have to agree to be to have bets placed on it? Yeah, you usually want to get permission from the individual leagues and associations. Down in the United States and, and here in Canada, you can bet on college sports. So the NCAA has signed off on it. You'll likely see a typical, a, a similar thing if there's interest in betting on OHL hockey. It goes back to what I was saying about catering to the market. I think that if you're smart, you probably have a bunch of offerings up here in Canada that you wouldn't get in the United States just to cater and tip of the hat kind of thing. Uh, to people here that might be interested. The other thing that's going to be very interesting for people who uh, might be new to it, these companies are going to come at you with aggressive promotional offers, sign-up bonuses. DraftKings down in the United States is has spent a billion dollars, if you can believe it, getting people through the door. Meaning if you put 100 bucks in, they're going to match it. If you put 500 in, they're going to match it. I've heard of them doing it in jurisdictions where if you bet $1,000, they're going to give you a free $1,000 play to match uh, in order to get you in and retain you as a customer. That's how crazy things are getting in this market. So let me ask you then, that said, is that the time to to get into it when you are being faced with those amazing offers? Is that the best time? Because do you feel like those will never come up again kind of thing? Uh, they'll come up from time to time, but they probably won't be as aggressive. The number won't be as high. So if you're looking to get in, like again, I you know, do it, do it responsibly. You got to put that out there for people. But, you know, if you're going to do it, I think that the first couple of weeks when they're making their offerings and you can shop around and look what's available out there. If somebody's going to hand you free money, take as much of it as you possibly mm-hmm. can and, you know, go from there. Even OLG was doing it a couple of weeks before the Super Bowl. So everybody's on board with the idea. 
Do you think we should be able to bet on things other than sports? Like, should I be, could I, in theory, put down a bet that, you know what, I'm going to put a hundred bucks down that that Doug Ford loses the election in June? Like, could I do something like that? Uh, you know what? I had the over-under at four and a half scandalous questions you were going to ask me off the front of this show. So uh-huh. I think you I think you sailed over just slightly. Uh, yeah, I, listen, you can bet on the Oscars right now on a lot of the offshore books. Mm-hmm. I think that it's only smart to offer those kind of prop fun bets. little entities. They'll, yeah, prop bets. They'll, there'll be limits on them as to the amount you can bet. But I think to get new people in, to get eyeballs in, have a little fun. You can bet in politics in the in the offshores. I mean, hell, I, I know a bunch of people who cleaned up when Joe Biden won, uh, who you know was bet who were betting on individual Senate races down in the United States. So that should be offered. I think it will be offered. And again, I think it comes down to the individual company as to whether they want to get in it. But I think the smart ones will probably give you a buffet in order to pique people's interest because they know once you're in there, you're going to poke around. Mm-hmm. So you're obviously very knowledgeable on the subject. Give a little promo for the podcast here. Thanks. TDR's Guaranteed Money Podcast is one that, guys, you should consider. Maybe sample it. If you like it, hit the subscribe button on that one as well. Give everybody a little preview of what they can expect in your pod. Yeah, it's it's an interesting combination of things. So we're not a typical picks show, although we do include some picks towards the tail end of each podcast. So we'll talk a little bit about the industry, about you know what's going on in the markets. We'll talk about the investor side of things. I get the chance to grill some of these CEOs and have them on the hot seat talking about why they made the decisions that they did. And I'll let me tell you, that's the most fun part of my job because <laughs> uh, I used to do it to politicians all the time. And now I get to do it to CEOs, which is even better. And then at the end of the show, we typically talk about the world of sports, what's going on, what we've got our eye on when it comes to wagering. So it's a really tight 35, 35 minutes most of the time, including a guest that'll tell you a little bit more about what's going on in the space. If you're looking to get into it uh, from an investor's point of view, and you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, uh, YouTube. We've got a YouTube channel where uh, you can see my ugly mug talking about it and grilling those CEOs up close and personal. You seem happy, Ryan, and we are so happy for you. I'm so glad to to hear that you guys you found your uh, your passion project really, and you've just moved forward with it. I love it. Yeah, I am, and I thank you guys for uh, having me on and allowing me to talk about it today because it's going to be an exciting few weeks here in the province. And uh, I'll come back anytime and shoot the shit with the two of you because I love you. Well, we'd love to have you on anytime, Ryan. Good luck. It is TDR's Guaranteed Money Podcast with Ryan Doyle. Check it out, everybody. If you used to listen to Ryan on the radio and you're wondering, well, where is he now? For now, he's right there. Hopefully back on AM radio doing talk soon. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Let me know when this is out so I can retweet it and all that stuff. Uh, Yeah, this will be out at about 11 a.m., just so you know. Perfect. Okay. Thanks, bud. Thanks. Take care, Ryan. Ryan Doyle from the Guaranteed Money Podcast. It's... uh, (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I'd like to get into that space, but I also worry that it's too convenient. And I know me. I have a very addictive personality. And especially when I get on a, a hot streak. If I'm sitting at a table in Vegas mm-hmm. and I'm winning, I'm not leaving. Right. I'm not. Right. And when I start losing, then I keep trying to play to try and get back what I lost. And I have a feeling it's going to be the same way. Uh, I, I listen to Ryan's pod. If I hear, uh, hey, you know what? This is a, uh, a neat opportunity. Check out this platform over here. This is what they're doing. And I try it out and I see an opportunity to bet. I don't know. What's the over under on how many points Harden's going to score tomorrow night? I kind of like that bet. And if that bet goes well, I could see me doing it again yeah. and again and again and again and again. And just as bad, if I lose that bet, I think, 
fuck, it can't be that hard. And then I keep going back again and again and again. So I personally need to know my limits and, mm-hmm. and be careful with stuff like that. But God damn it, it's about time we yeah. had some choice in this province. You know, and I'm here for the, pro- like, obviously, I like I like me some sports and I, I agree that we should have more options and that we are going to have more options. Of course, I mean, he, he mentioned it several times and it's so true and you're right. You have to be responsible and, and know your limits. I know you guys hear that before, that before many a times on many a commercials across this province, but the truth is you really do have to know your limits. But I also think it's kind of fun. You know, next time you have a bunch of friends over watching a game or let's say it comes to a point where we can do that for award shows or for a finale of a show, right? Like, I mean, think back to like the Breaking Bad finale. Could you imagine you could place your bets on what's going to happen to each character? Shit like that is fun. So if you have the ability in the palm of your hands to, to bet on it in the moment, that really works for some people and it could make that evening even better. But yeah, there's there are parts that you need to learn to adjust to because I do see it. I mean, mind you, if you want to gonna get yourself in trouble, you'd find your way to get yourself in trouble. But it's an option for people. It's very cool. Certainly is. Um, let's circle back to COVID for just a sec because we, uh, we didn't finish that conversation. But I just want to point out here that it's... Uh, A group of medical professionals and industry groups are calling on Ottawa to end all COVID border testing requirements as the travel sector struggles to recover from two years of pandemic restrictions. WestJet is still flying at half the capacity they were in 2019, and a lot of it has to do with the ridiculous amount of testing that you have to get done for a flight. Yeah, that's what I hear. And I mean, I have friends that are ready to travel, right? I have friends, particularly with kids that are like, I'm waiting. I was waiting till this time where I feel safe. I feel it's safe for my family and I. Let's go. But then you learn about all the things that you have to do before you take off and when you land. And it's enough to deter people. So that doesn't surprise me one bit. Yeah, I I just... Listen, we talked about Vax passports off the top of this episode. Let's talk about tests as well. What have we been told since day one of this nonsense? Follow the science. If you're following the science, it doesn't make sense to do this. You're not keeping infections out. We've even discussed whether or not that should even be our strategy is to try and keep the infections out because it's not practical at all. What are we doing here? We're making extremely wealthy owners of labs, and extremely wealthy owners of companies that mm-hmm. make tests. Is it actually keeping the public safe? Well, I, you tell me. I haven't seen any evidence of it. Uh, we talked about the masks off the beginning of the episode. It took me a second but I because ha- I had to find the numbers, but uh, I did find them. And when the mask mandate comes off in the public, it's going to come off in the school too. Well, is that going to be bad? Should we expect the worst? Here's the numbers from Alberta. February 14th was the day they removed the mask mandate in school. At the time, they had 1,463 people in hospital, 124 in the ICU. Fast forward to the 27th of February, 1,141 in hospital and 77 in the ICU. It got cut in half. The hospitalizations didn't spike. Yeah. So great. Hey, listen, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic here. And if we can eliminate any of the nonsensical ones like these border tests, then we should. And I hope that the transportation minister, who apparently is the one who makes these decisions, Omar. Hey, bud. I hope you're listening to this because it's not just the truckers that are calling for this. It's regular everyday people. Now you've got doctors saying stop fucking around. Get rid of these tests because it's pointless, it's useless, it doesn't stop the spread, and frankly, we've got better things to do, and those labs, we got a lot of tests for them to run that have nothing to do with COVID, and it's probably better that way. 
We had a caller on our FM radio show this morning. He was talking about uh, pancakes because it's Pancake Tuesday today. He puts corn in his pancakes and he thinks that's a perfectly normal thing to do. Was his name Chris? Yeah, so casual. So casual. Uh, yeah, just casually says it's niblets. You know the can of niblets you can buy? You can buy cans of Out corn. Out of a fucking can? He doesn't even... Really? I, 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 I assumed so because he said the word niblets and I know you can buy those in a can. Right? That's the can of niblets. Uh, what the fuck is it? Green Giant or something? I don't know what it is. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> something like that. Puts it in the pancakes. So I, I mean, I, however you like to eat your pancakes is totally up to you. But that one took me by surprise. He called them a corn fritter. Is that what it's called? Is that like a thing? Like if you look up corn fritter on Google, is it going to show you niblets inside pancakes? There is a corn fritter. That has nothing to do with pancakes. You know the moments, I love when these threads come out. You know the moment that you find out that the shit that you grew up doing, eating, watching, whatever it might be, isn't actually normal and doesn't happen in every house. The moment you find that out was this morning the moment he found out nobody else does Yeah, that. like I think he walked around just thinking, oh, it's Pancake Tuesday. I better pick up some eggs, some batter, some milk, <laughs> and some corn. Niblets, let's go. Oh, I got to remember what section they're in, what aisle they're in at the, the grocery store. No, you fucking don't. You don't put corn in a, a pancake. And, and eat some with, okay, so and then I thought, so then I'm thinking it's savory, right? Okay, so then you're doing this and it's a savory thing, right? It's, you're going to go ketchup. No, maple syrup. Yeah, it's a regular breakfast pancake with corn. I don't know. I don't even know what to say. I, I'm, I don't even know what to say. Well, you know full well, the world does not agree on food. There's very few things where they can say, hey, do you like this? And the vast majority will say yes, because we all have different tastes. We're all individuals. Pancakes seems to be the exception to the rule. 93% claim they either like or love pancakes. I'm a take it or leave it kind of guy. And if it's take it or leave it, I'll leave it. I don't care about pancakes. To me, you can only take in so many calories in a day, and if I'm going to take in that many calories, I'm going to make it worth my while. And there's probably going to be a few beers sprinkled in there, too. Pancakes is just too much for me, but I get why people like them. So I might even fall into the 7%. But how we eat them, that's what we don't agree on. On Pancake Tuesday, I ran a poll on Twitter this morning. On Pancake Tuesday, do you eat them in the morning or do you eat them at night? The vast majority like their pancakes for dinner. On Shrove Tuesday. That, and, and by the way, if it's a weekday, every single time. How many people have the time to make pancakes? Usually it's not just for yourself. It's Government for all- employees that are working from home. <laughs> That's who's that? got it. Are we'll we get, to, get that. to that. Okay. So if you don't have that much time, and I mean, Christ time in, in my house, it would be during the week. It's my husband home with the kid. There's no time for that. And in most cases, there's no time. So it makes sense. Give yourself the time you need. Dinner time is there. Put out all the fixins. Get the berries. Get the, and, and that's a lovely dinner. I would like to normalize breakfast for dinner all the time. So when it comes to pancakes then, buttermilk, blueberry, or chocolate chip? What do you think people preferred? I think people preferred the wrong answer, which would be buttermilk. Buttermilk pancakes are the most popular pancake box, mix, whatever, in the world. Blueberry is second, followed Mm -hmm. by chocolate chip. Plain, and then banana came in fifth. What we put on them, well, that's a controversial subject. If you have corn in your pancakes, do you pour like a jar of peas or something like that on top? There's got to be something else to that. I'd love to know what else. (laughs) No, in this case, 
Uh, <laughs> crack. You put crack on it. Uh, no, no, no. We're not going there. 62% of people <laughs> will put syrup on their pancakes. 62%. Sure. Canadian. Oh, it's got to be the real good stuff, right? Hey. Are you talking about, or are you okay with the no, corn syrup? No, because let's be honest here, and we're Canadian, we're supposed to know this, and I would hope that everyone knows it. There is maple syrup. Yeah. And there's pancake syrup. Pancake syrup is not maple syrup. Mm-mm. It's not. Mm-mm. What is it we call uh, the Aunt Jemima stuff now? Because they used to have very popular uh, syrup that oh. people put on it. It's Oh, what, what the brand is? Yeah. It's an old, old mill? Something mill? So, yeah, something, something mill, like that. Something, yeah. something mill. I don't know. You'll find it if you go into the pancake aisle at the grocery store. Yeah. In any case, uh, that's pancake syrup, not necessarily maple syrup. If you want maple syrup, that's when you start shelling out big bucks to get that is jar. Is it still like a million dollars for a tiny glass vial? Well, it depends. Because if you're a tourist, we're going to fuck you. Just so you know. <laughs> right if, at the if, gift shop. Just if, bend over. If you come to Canada, it. we're going to take a maple tree and shove it right up your ass. And you're going to love it. You're going to be like, yeah, one for my uncle, one for my cousin, one for my great aunt. And then, even though all maple syrup basically tastes the same, you're going to go back to wherever the hell you came from and you're going to tell people, look at this. This is fucking vintage Canadian maple syrup. <laughs> it's not. It's the shit we sell at airport gift shops. We do that to that you tourists. That is the real stuff, though. It, that is the real stuff. Oh, it's real maple syrup, yeah. but it's not like some vintage brand that was grown in trees that were tended to by monks. Yeah. Like and, you could find it out back at this station somewhere. There's got to be a tree that's going to produce syrup. Yeah, there's not like some special deer semen that went into the compound <laughs> that grew the tree that produced the syrup. It's nothing like that. It's not like wine. There's no varietals of maple syrup. We just stuck a nail in a tree. We sucked the shit out of it. We boiled it and sold it to you for a we lot of money. We tap it. We tap the tree. It literally grows here in Canada <laughs> and we will screw you every time you come to Canada because you're going to feel like an idiot if you don't go back to wherever you came from with some Canadian maple syrup. And fun fact, every single one of us growing up Canadian in our Canadian school systems has had to trudge out into the frigid temperatures of minus 20, sometimes worse, to the local spot where they show you how to tap a maple syrup maple tree to get the syrup. Do we use that today? No. Unless you work in the field, you did it the one time in school, you wrote a little paper on it, you took a picture by a tree, and you never talked about it again. Never. You've got some miserable bastard that lives in a shack in the forest (laughs) that'll take you on a tour of the forest. And here's this tree, and it looks a lot like that tree, and a lot like all those trees over there. So you hammer it in there, and then look, oh, the sap just falls out, and then you boil it, and you got it. Okay, that's a field trip that we all did as kids. I, I'm not saying it's not worthwhile. It's no, fine. It's, cool. it's once. Yeah, I didn't need to do it in grades four, six, <laughs> eight, and twelve. It was mandatory. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's nice and cold. Tell everybody to put their coats on and jump on the bus and let's head out to the bush. You had to like take turns in in like alphabetical order to each one tapping the tree. Like, okay, let's start here with Cody Atkinson. You're up first, and you have to sit there. You're like a W last name. Like, fuck, I'm at the end. The tree's gonna be all out. Honestly, to the rest of the world, we glamorize it and we make it look very, very beautiful and poetic and this this product that you can only find here. And it, it's really just okay. We're just very good at conning the rest of the world with shit that we put in the tourist stores. They buy it, though. They love it. They love it. I mean, there's a lot of people here that love it, too, if you're rich. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> even us here, we don't want to pay maple syrup prices. Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
We're uh, we're doing the fucking pancake syrup, the cheap shit at the Longo. So <laughs> damn right we are. <laughs> but anyway, let's get back to the pancakes here. So when it comes to them, if you were only allowed to put one topping on your pancakes, sixty-two percent would choose syrup. Ten percent said butter. Eight percent said fresh fruit. And then some of the outliers, two percent cover their pancakes with honey. I kind of like that better than the syrup, to be honest. Okay, fair. Four percent said peanut butter, and four percent said Nutella. Mm. Nutella on a pancake is good. I'm surprised whipped cream didn't make it though. You surprised oh. at that? I kind of thought whipped cream would be on that list. I figured it would be there, especially because the fruit is there. And if the fruit is there, you figure the whipped cream was there. I'm also surprised there's no jam, jelly. No. You put jam on your pancakes, don't you? I would. I would. Yeah. I would put jam on there because I like the fresh fruit thing. I mean, fresh fruit first, obviously. But if you have no fresh fruit, jam is nice. Happy Pancake Tuesday, everybody. Here's hoping you have yourselves a great little pancake party. And you just know that every time you buy maple syrup, Justin Trudeau gets a little richer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. We're running low on time here. So quickly, you might wish you'd change jobs during the pandemic after hearing this 29% of people who have say they're now making at least 30% more money than they were at their job that they had before the pandemic. Another 20% are making about 10 to 20% more. So a lot of people left the jobs they're in to go to jobs that are more lucrative, Hmm. but that creates a problem for our current employers. And we've discussed this before. How do you convince these employees to stay? How do you compete with those bigger companies that can offer bigger salaries? It really depends on what generation you come from. People were asked to name the number one thing that would keep them at their current job longer. The number one answer for millennials, more money. Mm -hmm. Number one answer for Gen Xers. A new role with more responsibility. It wasn't money. They wanted a promotion. More Wait, more responsibility? And they didn't even mention the money? Wow. Yeah. But there's a lot of people, though, who are a little unsure about what the hell's going on in the world right now that really just want a little bit of security and a little bit of stability. Typically, with a promotion comes a little bit more job security. So that could be part of it there. I mean, Gen X is the generation with all those big mortgages now. So that would make sense. Well, it made sense for me from a millennial standpoint. I get that. These are supposed to be our prime money-making years. When you're in that like millennial age group that we're in, that I'm in, for example, you know, in my 30s, this is the years that you should be making, you know, the most money. Or maybe not the most money. Maybe it's once you get up into, you know, your mid 40s or something. But still, those are the years where you're focused on that because you have goals and you set these goals financially. So, okay, that makes sense. So millennials, Gen Xers, what about the boomers? The baby boomers, they didn't ask for more money. They don't want a promotion. All This is such a grandparent thing, too. All they want is a little more recognition for the hard work <laughs> I do around here. Yes. Yeah, just give me that recognition and then I can retire, right? Like, just give me that. Put me up on the wall. Make me employee of the month. Tell the whole company about me and then I'll go away quietly. Is that it? it? That's it. You know, (laughs) part of packaging me out is going to be telling everybody what a great job I did. How about that? You know? Sure. Fair. It does make sense, though, generationally, if you think about it like that. So I get it. But this is going to come up more and more over the next few weeks because it was announced today that Government of Ontario employees who are working from home 
need to start going back. And by April the 4th, you must be back in the office at least three days a week. Mm, 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 mm. I wonder how many people heard that news when it broke this morning. Oh, I read some of the fallout. Did you? Yeah. What were they saying? People are fucking mad. I've been working from home for two years and it was fine. Why make me go back? And I do understand that argument. I do. If you can do it from home... Why wouldn't you do it from home? This is the government that told you to go home and told you to make it work, and you did. Now they want you back. To me, uh, that's a little misguided. But let's be perfectly clear. There's a lot of people in that 60,000 Ontario government employees that are working from home that completely fucked the dog for two years and basically just took government money. Sure. They didn't do a thing. They weren't doing their job. They really were on a two-year paid vacation. And a lot of those people definitely have reason to not want to go back because that means they actually got to do the job they were hired to do. Right. And and be watched in those hours. Now, it's three days a week. To me, that sounds fair. Now, this is coming from someone who's been at work the whole time. But to me, it seems fair. You're back in three days, I assume, three days out of five. I don't believe they're on a four-day work week, although I'm sure they'll argue for it now. They should. But you're in three days a week, perhaps rotating, right? Uh, A hybrid model would work for a lot of people. But for those who who are fighting it, I feel like it's going to be too bad, so sad. Then here's the door. I really don't see... Many companies, when they want you back in, because this is going to start to happen more and more, budging on that and saying, okay, well, you know what? We're willing to work with all 60,000 of you on this. No, they know exactly what's in store for you if you choose to accept it. And if not, they're going to say, there's the door, then get out. I don't know if it's that simple. I think a lot of those public service unions are going to get involved and go to bat for their employees. I could see it happening anyway. It'll just be a, another labor disruption. Um, I, I do think that we need to ask ourselves, really, do you absolutely need to be back? And in some cases, the answer is going to be no. We don't actually need mm-hmm. you here to do the job that you've done perfectly fine for the last two years. But in some cases, right. uh, there are people taking a check way back at the beginning of the pandemic. And this kind of flew under the radar because it was back in the fear and the doom and gloom days. I believe it was the premier himself that said we didn't let any government of Ontario employees go. And I found that particularly shocking when you looked at the amount of regular people that got kicked out of their jobs and put on the CERB, the old Mm -hmm. school CERB back in the day, whereas government employees were staying home. And in some cases, there was really nothing for them to do. If you're a, I don't know, a librarian. It's very hard to function as a librarian when you're not in a library. Little things like that where I thought, well, wait a second. What do you mean we didn't let anybody go? We didn't lay anybody off even though there was really nothing for them to do in their job at home. And I was concerned about that. I thought that was when regular people were losing their job for the civil service to just stay home with no responsibilities but still get the pay. I did have an issue with that. There's people in that situation still that really don't have a lot to do. But for whatever reason, they've flown under the radar with their managers and bosses 
And they're still getting a check for not doing anything. Well, you have to have those positions in place. I mean, for you had to do it, it just in case. And there was a lot of back and forth in this province particularly, but other provinces not so much maybe, but a lot of back and forth where you needed to have those people because when they said, okay, guys, we're back to it. A library is a good example of that. Um, you know, you have to be able to say, all right, we're back to operating. Oh, but shit, we laid off half the staff, so we're not going to be able to actually operate. You have to keep those people on payroll. And also it is the government who seems to not care as much about how much money is being- They don't care. <laughs> brought, they really don't. Uh, I so, mean, a regular business, they'd be on this. Like, how much money are we spending on people that aren't actually working? And yeah. that's where that decision to lay off or terminate comes in. The government didn't have those hard conversations. It doesn't seem like. No, it, it, it doesn't seem like it. But in some cases, I mean, you don't know because every, every single industry is going to be a little bit different and the way it runs is going to be a little bit different. I mean, you say the, the province of Ontario. That's a wide range. I mean, we're talking about jobs in from everything from engineering who would have to be out and about, I would assume, through it, from environment, uh, health and social services, fish and wildlife, you know, legal services. Like, like there's a shit ton of jobs. There's 60,000 jobs. So you think, you know, most of them, you'd be able to to make that work. I think it's fair enough, though. Uh, what surprises me, like a lot of these office spaces have been vacant. Now they are planning to fill it. I would have assumed they would have tried to sell some of that off to make some money, but you maybe think? it wouldn't have ended in profit. I don't believe we own any of the buildings. I wouldn't know. Uh, but that kind of surprised me that they didn't downsize. But maybe that's the reason why it's three days and not five days, because there's only a certain capacity and you don't have your cubicle anymore. It's not yours. It's a shared space, perhaps. And you're going to rotate with Jane and you and Jane are going to rotate every day. Like, I don't really know how it's going to work. Every instance is going to be different. But I, I, from the cheap seats back here, that's someone who doesn't work for the government of Ontario. I'm just, I'm entertained by it all. I, uh, I think it's funny. We went through a bit of a renaissance over the last I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years where office spaces evolved. Let's make them more collaborative. Let's put in more work areas and Mm -hmm. take down all those walls that are between us. Let's create a safe, creative, collaborative atmosphere with everybody all in one room. And now the biggest problem is, well, if we're going to bring people back, we're going to have to build some fucking walls. <laughs> building walls again. <laughs> I know. Open concept, We just right? tore them down. No, you're absolutely right. The open concept office thing, it was very, very popular, became very popular. I want to say like about a decade ago or so, maybe-ish. And that was really the way to do it for those collaborative, for that collaborative environment. And now it's so true. It's like, well, plexiglass is going up and maybe that's for the best or walls themselves. Yeah, it's quite possible. And I, I don't know. I think that's, that's fine, too. Thank you again to Ryan Doyle from the Guaranteed Money Podcast for being on. Thank you to you for listening today. We will have another episode of After 9 coming your way tomorrow. Of course, everyone's concerned about the situation in Ukraine. And here in the U.S., people have started boycotting Russian vodka. Yeah, Americans said, look, if we have to rip tequila shots until this is over, then by God, we will do it. Do it. The man in New York just won $10 million. $10 million from a scratch-off lottery ticket. But here's the unbelievable part. The same man won $10 million from another scratch-off ticket three years ago. Even crazier, the same guy was behind him in line at 7-Eleven both times. Like, oh, come on. And finally, a doghouse that was struck by a meteorite sold last week for $44,000. Even crazier, it sold on Zillow. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.